0: Hello, and welcome back to Power Lines, From Ukraine to the World, a podcast from Message Heard and The Cave Independent. I'm Jakub Parushinsky. We're back now for a second series of Power Lines, analyzing the context and reverberations of the war in Ukraine. But before we get going, some quick housekeeping. I personally have a new role at The Cave Independent. As a co-founder of KI, I'm always looking for new ways to research, analyze, and understand what is happening behind the scenes in Ukraine. So recently, I've been setting up KI Insights, a research institute that will explore in depth the issues around the war, but more importantly, behind the business of rebuilding Ukraine. And for those who tuned in last season, you'll no doubt be wondering where my co-host Anastasia Lapatina is. Well, she now has her very own podcast, which is called This Week in Ukraine, and it is absolutely the go-to place to get on-the-ground reporting on the war. Make sure to tune in. New episodes drop every Friday. So this season of Power Lines is just going to be me, but I'll be interviewing some of the most important writers, thinkers and policymakers to explain the biggest stories going on behind the wall. And don't worry, I'm sure that Nastia will be making a guest appearance down the line as well. But in today's first episode of season two, we're going to be looking at an event that, if it happens, could have enormous implications for the war, but even more importantly, for how Ukraine develops as a country in the years to come. And we're talking about the Ukrainian presidential and parliamentary elections in 2024. Basically, the situation is like this. Ukraine was supposed to have a parliamentary election in October of 2023, and a presidential one in the coming spring. But the country is in the middle of a war, and its constitution says that a vote cannot be held under martial law. The situation isn't quite so black and white, though. There are certain ways that the constitutional court could essentially push through an emergency or unconventional kind of vote. But that window of opportunity is narrowing. For example, the president is not allowed to dismiss parliament in the last six months of its term, which ends in August of 2024. So if the vote isn't held relatively soon, there's a chance that it won't be held for a long time. The war, after all, could go on for quite a while. On the other hand, holding a vote under the current circumstances is incredibly challenging. There's the question of how you get people on the front lines to vote, what to do with the refugees, and just in general, how you ensure the security and integrity of the vote on the day. So Ukraine is faced with an impossible choice. On the one hand, it can continue a stable but bad situation for potentially a very long time. And it is bad. The level of trust in deputies is incredibly low, and there are scandals popping up all the time. Or... It could take an incredibly risky gamble in the hope of bringing in new, fresh faces with both a democratic mandate, but also the energy to put the country back on track in terms of reforms and drive towards joining the EU, joining NATO, and fulfilling all of those goals that Ukrainians have been fighting and dying for for the last 18 months. That's a really tricky situation, and I don't know what the answer is. We'll be digging into these questions and more today, and to help us with that is our first guest of the season, Anatoly Oktysiuk. Anatoly is a political scientist who has been working in the Ukrainian political scene for the past decade. He knows how things are run on a granular level, and he's currently working on that at Democracy House think tank in Kyiv. I spoke with him at our studio at the Kiev Independent offices to really get a sense of if these elections could, and indeed should, happen. But that's enough for me. Let's get straight into it with Anatoly. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Power Powerlines. Today we'll be talking about the potential Ukrainian elections that may be or may be not coming up, and I'm very pleased to have with us in the studio today Anatoly Oktisuk. Anatoly, can you tell a little bit about yourself and your background in the Ukrainian political space?
1: I'm a political expert. I'm working in Democracy House Intent. It's an analytical organization based in Kyiv. We're analyzing political competition in Ukraine, state decisions, war, reforms, oligarchs, everything which connected with the politics. We are trying to communicate reforms and explain what's going on in Ukraine. Perfect, so
0: just in terms of a bit of background, Ukraine had its last elections in 2019. Zelensky famously came to power in a landslide, winning very big in the parliamentary elections, in the presidential elections, primarily on an agenda of de-oligarchization, fighting corruption, and peace with Russia, right? So we can see that obviously didn't turn out how we expected. It. But it's it's interesting to know that the person who has stood up and is essentially running the war, I would say, with uh, in a very decisive way, uh, was the person who, who came in on a platform of peace. So, it's now sort of close to five years. Ukraine's constitution mandates that there are elections periodically. The presidential elections, I believe, are already overdue. The parliamentary elections should be coming up. But because the constitution also forbids having elections during martial law, as now, the elections are not going to happen, right? Right, right. According to our
1: constitution, we are still restricted. It's uh-huh. impossible to have elections. But in Ukraine, everything is possible. So this is the key message of our podcast, I guess.
0: Okay, good. So essentially, we do have something to talk about. So that's, that's important to say. So when was the presidential election supposed to have, uh, take place?
1: Next year, March 2024, and parliamentary election this October 2023.
0: Okay, so that did not happen. So let's maybe start with what would be the reasons to have elections, even though in theory they can't be held. Why do we need elections? Elections it's a key for democracy.
1: We need elections for democracy, for reshuffling of political allies, for making new governments which has big credibility. And big public and
0: international legitimacy. And so there's a couple of things here, right? So one is legitimacy abroad, right? And there is some questions from foreign partners asking when the elections will be held, how quickly can they happen. There's also the legitimacy inside the country. So there's a couple of things that we need to unpick here. And then, you know, it's just at some point it's also quite important, like if it's not now, then when right? but let's take these one by one, so in terms of the international side, what do you think the Ukrainian leadership is hearing now from the international partners well the key the key issue is, yes, the elections and the
1: preconditions for these elections because for foreign partners, the key issues are if you would not run elections next year, then what are you're gonna do if this conflict would run for several years more? yeah. Well, if you're not conducting elections next year in 2024, what is your plan? So this is the the first issue. The second issue is that uh, all these things are connected with uh, international uh, financial and military aid because for some political Western leaders, elections in Ukraine, this is the also windows for peace negotiations. Okay. Because it's very important because honestly, Yes, you are right when you told that Zelensky won previous uh, local parliamentary and presidential elections as a president of peace. But uh, as a president of peace, he was not really efficient and his uh, political popularity was reducing significantly. So he he lost his uh, raids, and you know who knows what happened with Zelensky if Russia would not invade to Ukraine in twenty twenty two in February.
0: I mean, his ratings were considerably falling before the full-scale invasion. But I'd like to come back to something that you just mentioned, which is that this could be a window to open up peace negotiations. So Zelensky, he came in as the president of peace, but since then, he's made a lot of personal commitments to victory, right? So he's sort of personally committed themselves. Is there a sense amongst some of the international partners that if other people come to power this this essentially opens up room for- Yes, this
1: this is the option. This is the floor for, you know, for the new quality of policy in Ukraine, because it is possible that some not really hawkish political forces may come to the parliament. We don't know, but it's the opportunity. And otherwise, uh, this is the also chance for, you know, for making new quality of the politics in Ukraine, especially in the parliament, it's a chance to make new, more professional government because probably you've seen this official letter from White House about the reforms in Ukraine, that cabinet of Zelensky uh, should accelerate the reforms in Ukraine. And this is the big dopes among American partners if they can do it, because it's directly connected with the amounts of financial and the military aid. So if you're more efficient, if you're more transparent, if you're more self-confident in fight against corruption and the oligarchs, so you will receive more. So because you know, if, yes. if you have much more stronger institutions, if you're supporting fight against corruption, it means that everything is going in right way in Ukraine. The key issue, If this war will will run for several years more, so
0: what then you're going to do with this? So let's come back to sort of like, what are the arguments to hold the the elections now? So one is that, you know, there's a, a new parliament. One question is that perhaps they're more open to peace negotiations, which we do know that certain Western partners want. There's a second thing, which is, We're bringing in new political forces that are maybe not connected to the oligarchs. So, you know, a cleaner or more professional parliament. And then there is a question of, well, how do we deal with this time issue, right? Because if it's not next year, if it doesn't happen in the next couple of months, when can it happen? So many things nowadays in Ukraine seem to be conditioned on when the fighting ends. So, you know, we have these discussions, Ukraine and NATO when the fighting ends, right? Ukraine and EU, when the fighting ends. Ukraine reconstruction, all the investment and everything, when the fighting ends. And so there is a very strong argument that like, look, you can wait, but at some point it will need to happen within some kind of military conflict. What about the situation for Zelensky and his team itself? Is it better for them to have this faster rather than later? Uh, Yes and no. (laughs) Okay. Again, so
1: everything is possible in Ukraine with elections. For my opinion, one of the key preconditions for upcoming elections is connected with uh, military successes of Ukrainian army. Let's imagine if Ukrainian army will liberate Melitopol next year, spring 2024. Society will receive big patriotic push. everyone will, will be happy, then Ukraine will increase negotiation positions uh, with Russia, because if we will come to Melitopol, we will honestly, we will have the situation when Russian forces will be kicked out to Crimea, then we will have a chance to attack Crimean infrastructure. I remember when we liberated Kherson, when Ukrainian army liberated Kherson, it was huge patriotic flash in the society. It was big uh, uprising, big patriotic moves, and, you know, the society was ready to do everything, even for what. So he need military victory.
0: Yes, so obviously, you know people would want to see some kind of results that you know zelensky's policies have been successful what about the question of you know there's the economy which is you know has rebounded to some extent but it's not great life in ukraine is difficult right now and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better there is the question of sort of the state capacities and the administrative apparatus that that he has what about those issues how do you think they figure into the presidential administrations Calculations.
1: It's a very huge and tough issue for our government, because uh, if, if you take a look on our um, draft budget 2024, more than 50% of our incomes um, is independence from uh, Western partners. So we're expecting to cover all this budget deficit with uh, f- external financial aid. According to the forecast, we need 52-53 US dollars. Just to cover the budget gap. Yes, because what we are making our incomes, uh, we just covering military expenses and that's it. And the rest of the military, rest of the financial aid we need for functioning of the state in Ukraine. 52, 53 billions of US dollars. So it's huge amount of money. So this is the big deadlock for Zelensky. The, the third reason, so we, we're talking about the economy and the military, it's, it's kind of preconditions for potential elections. This yeah. is internal legitimacy of the Zelensky because a war is always unpopular scene. So we- Especially when it goes on for a long time, right? Exactly. Because it's full-scale war and yes, has got Western partners supporting Ukraine, But we spend in more and more resources, especially human resources, especially economic resources. And for our government, it's also important to understand when they will receive opportunity to, you know, reward internal political uh, elites, I mean, parliament and the government,
0: because they're also quite toxic. So, so let's let's pause for, for a second, because I, I just want to clarify that a little bit. So I, one of the important things is that for now, well, Ukraine is very dependent on Western aid and that aid continues to be renewed, but it's being renewed for now. There's elections coming up in a lot of European countries, Poland, just in a couple of weeks. There's a lot of elections in in the West as well, and most importantly, the US, you know, towards the end of uh, of next year. So we don't know how long that aid will continue afterwards, right? Let's say there's a Trump presidency, the funding stops. Holding elections in 2024 will seem much better than holding elections in 2025, right? So there's there's that perspective. And then on the other side, and I think this is really interesting to unpick. We have a problem with the the current elites, and you know, to what extent do we is sort of Zelensky happy with them? Like, how much uh, does he want to actually change the, the 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 parliament itself? Zelensky, he is unhappy with this parliament, he, and he is unhappy
1: with this government because he believes that uh, all these guys came to the power uh, with his popularity. Uh, they are not, you know, working very hard. They are not loyal. This parliament is really toxic for Zelensky and he really wants to reshuffle them because another problem, um, there is no monocoalition. Formally, it's still existing, but in fact, there is no monocoalition. They are not loyal because uh, there is a group of Kolomoisky, there is a group of, of Razumko, former Speaker of the Parliament, affiliated with Vizekhmetov. Yeah. There is a big amount of still pro-Russian forces. There is opposition. For Zelensky, this is a great opportunity to reward parliament and government to win this election because uh, his political opponents, they would not have enough instruments to be successful, let's say, on the elections during the
0: martial law. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that because this is very interesting. So, Ukrainian elections, as in most countries, they're quite expensive, time consuming, a lot of energy uh, needs to go into them. In the past, these elections and different political parties, as well as individual deputies, have been sponsored by various oligarchs, mostly. Right. And also by Russia. Who now has the resources?
1: I see the only two forces who have own resources it's just Zelensky Party, yeah. because it's a ruling party. They have enough instruments for gathering money because they control everything in Ukraine. So yeah. they have lots of loyal businessmen who may cover all these expenses. And former president Petro Poroshenko, he is also a He has enough own-
0: Famously a billionaire himself. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Yeah. He
1: has enough, enough own resources to cover all these expenses. For the rest of the parties- yes they was connected and affiliated with the oligarchs and now oligarchs are restricted they don't have medias they don't have uh, you know possibilities to finance they don't have free resources and they're trying to save rest of the resources what they have now but at the same times if you are going to have elections during the martial law or in another like war conditions new political parties will have a chance to make a new party organizations and you know, to to receive support directly inside of the society.
0: So how do people feel about the elections? Do you think there's public support at the moment?
1: Uh, I think no. There is no public support for the elections because, you know, our society is still believing in the military victory of Ukraine, that Ukraine will defeat Russia and uh, liberate South, liberate Ukraine, because it was also the part of our Ukrainian state propaganda. It was the part of the policy of Zelensky. You know, he push this narrative that uh, we liberate all occupied territory until the end of 2023 or until 2024. People still believe in Ukrainian victory because, you know, they see Kherson, they see a successful counteroffensive in Kharkiv region. Ukrainian society believing in so-called Wunderwaffen, you know, first of all, it was Highmarses, then it was Patriots, uh, now we're expecting for Atacams, then we're expecting for F-16 and so on, so on. You know, the, the society believes that if we receive uh, so-called super powerful weapon from the Western partners, it would help us to liberate more and more territories, so until Uh, We have this hope in the society. We believe in the military victory. Then we will see if this Wunderwaffen, so-called Wunderwaffen, doesn't work in the future, then society will start to think, okay, what then? So this is the first issue. The second issue is that Ukrainian society is still ready to suffer and ready to give mandate of trust for Zelensky until the end of the year or until maybe 2024, but Office of the President, they also monitoring temperature in the society. If they will re- see that uh, society is unhappy, I know the society unhappy now because demand they restricted to go abroad. There yeah. is big poverty, there is high prices on everything. Our government is planning to increase prices for utilities, for electricity, and so on, so on. War is always unpopular. It's almost two years and uh, people getting unsatisfied with this current situation. And if people will be really unsatisfied and if we see that this Wunderwaffen doesn't work, if we
0: don't see military... uh, uh, so-called success. So then, then people will will become angry, and, yes. and 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 in a sense, for the presidential administration right now, with the legitimacy of Zelensky yeah, will, will decrease? Will decrease, and and then I think there's a lot of potential negative consequences. I think let's let's jump into them a, in a second. But essentially, for them, it's a question of if they wait too long, the situation might get even worse there is a little bit of a window of opportunity yes they have to hope for some kind of victories some kind of positive news in the short term but also in the in the long term not lose too much because there's there's a lot of hardship coming in the the month and the the years ahead let's talk for a moment about like what the the counterfactual here is why You know, wouldn't the elections be held? And essentially, what are the difficulties? So what are the big challenges to sort of holding elections in the current circumstances?
1: Well, for my opinion, the biggest concern for Zelensky, this is the um, political legitimacy of these elections inside of Ukraine. I mean, from the rest of the political elites, because according to my information, I have lots of friends, MPs from the opposition parties, Petro Poroshenko, Yulia Tymoshenko in other um, political parties, they may ignore upcoming elections. So this is the one of the potential risks for the Zelensky that some political parties, they will ignore it. The second scenario, of course, it's issues connected with the security because we don't know w- what kind of in- intensity of the conflict would be in Ukraine, high or low. The Another I- issue, what for my opinion, may be solved for instance, if the Zelensky is saying that a uh, few millions of uh, Ukrainian re- refugees are abroad in the EU, I think European partners may solve this problem very easily. European officials may arrange the voting stations everywhere where Ukrainians are settled it's not the problem to receive the ballots and to to set out the polling stations in city halls and well, everywhere
0: but then let's go to the bigger challenge what do you do with the soldiers who are on the front lines so then the, it's 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 a big
1: issue i think this is what our government would like to use the tool of electronic voting okay so with the DIA uh, application.
0: I was about to ask, Ukraine has this famous super app where you can have your passport, your banking, you can even watch some media. State in the smartphone. Good. Yeah, everything. It's the perfect phrase, right? State in the smartphone. So do you think it's reasonable to expect that DIA will be used for electronic I voting? I think
1: so. And this is this is what Zelensky is interested to implement, okay. this electronic voting. But the problem is that for using this uh, instrument, you need uh, fix this in the constitution. We don't have in our con- constitution possibility to vote via electronic way uh, or by post.
0: And realistically, Ukraine will need both.
1: Yes, we need both because this is the chance how to interact uh, people in voting process. I mean, in the front line, it would lead for... Increasing public legitimacy of these elections because some part of uh, Ukrainian population would not trust for electronic voting, and especially opposition that would not trust for
0: this posting. But just to, to to push on that point as well, the legitimacy of the elections will be challenged. Ukrainian is so politicized now that, you know, you have so many enemies all around the world who will challenge uh, what is happening in the elections. Uh, Russia will challenge. There will be a lot of propaganda. There will be a campaign against it. Anyway, so you do need some kind of preparations to say, look, the elections were legitimate. Here are international observers. Here was the process that we ran them. Is that something that the Western partners are concerned about as well? That electronic voting cannot be monitored as easily? I don't know if they have the technology or there isn't that much experience with this. Is that also a problem for electronic voting? That's a problem,
1: honestly, because we we never tested it before. We never used it before. But again, for these elections, we need political view of Zelensky. Because if, let's say, he will say, okay, guys, we need these elections because it depends from these elections, we de- we depend on amounts of military aid, financial aid. Uh, Western partners is making pressure on us. This is the issue of surviving of the state.
0: Yeah. So there is a precedent for finding a way out, but there's no perfect solutions here. There's only lesser evils and ways forward. I wanted to turn a little bit towards what could be the result of the elections if they were to be held, you know, within the next sort of six months. You mentioned already... I think it's quite apparent that Ukraine has become a more militarized society. To what extent is the military a bloc that will show up?
1: We don't know. It's it's, it's really too hard to predict because, you know, post-war or so-called war society, they may be split on two sides because one part of the society may vote for peace parties, another part of the society may vote for so-called militarized uh, parties, or let's say uh, more radical or hawkish political parties, and we don't know which camp will receive more
0: support. Does it feel like that's being prepared right now?
1: Uh, yes, there is big preparation is going on. And I mean, that the, the, the problem is that the political parties, they're not trusting for the And okay. if he's saying there is no elections, there's no chance for the elections, uh, the key political pro- players, you know, keeping in mind this possibility for potential elections in 2024. And they are preparing, they are, you know, trying to keep the team, they are trying to launch some analytical activities. They are monitoring uh, political attitudes, uh, conducting sociological polls and so on, so on. According to the sociological polls, there is a big, big popularity in Ukraine have uh,
0: Valery Mm Zaluzhny. He's the head of the armed forces and yeah. he's the sort of prime candidate that everybody talks about as a potential challenger to Zelensky on the one hand, or or a somebody who would form a political party. He's u-
1: Ukrainian manner game or Shark de goal. Mm-hmm. So honestly, because now we have a big request from the society for fair and transparent men. Mm-hmm. So for ma- the majority of Ukrainians, Valery Zavožny, he is the guy who who is self-made man? He don't have any offshores. He is not affiliated with the oligarchs. He is the guy from the army, with good reputation, uh, respected on the west. But again, on the Marshall period, he don't have a chance to participate because he is uh, restricted by current uh, legislation.
0: So essentially, what we have, and, and I think this this is something that we really um, that's quite interesting to deep dive on a little bit, is that. We're seeing that the president's camp um, is kind of preparing for these new political forces by creating its own alliances with similar parties, but that are friendlier to them. So should Zaluzhny or somebody from his team or somebody who's sort of like uh, politically close to him uh, launch a military party, you've got the defenders of Azovstal. Uh, which is a closer to the president kind of military party, which is being set up. I mean, a lot of their media presence in, uh, let's say, the recent months suggest that, okay, something is being set up here. There's a little bit of a campaign happening. Do we see other directions like that?
1: You know, on the beginning of our podcast, we mentioned on so-called peace parties uh, who declaring the peace. Uh, Now we see Aristovich project. Yeah. So he is also affiliated with office of the president, and this is also possibility to use this trend for peace. Because yes. you know, if I'm one hundred percent sure that in new parliament we would
0: not see honestly pro Russian parties, like yeah. because they will be banned. And yet there's a big block of people who are formerly, let's say, not pro-Russian, but more, you know, Russia-minded kind of. Right, almost.
1: Russia-minded or they, you know, supporting peace with any conception, concessions from the Ukrainian government or they are not... You know, they're ready for peace. Uh, for any scenarios, just give us peace and that's it. So yes. We, uh... And so
0: you've got Aristovich who was quite prominent and uh, next to Zelensky for a long time. Now I think is a little bit more distant. He would be one of the people to lead a party that would soak up those votes. So we've got the military, we've got the pro-Russia or sort of the Russia-affiliated, Russia-minded kind of camp. Who else is there? Then Razumkov. Okay. Razumkov, he is, of course, he is not
1: declaring that he is pro-Russian, but he is the party of pigeons. Okay. He is the... Uh, what does that mean? Pigeon party, like, he's also latently may support the peace on any conditions. Of course, he is pro-European, pro-Western, Razumkov, but at the same time, he is supporting interests of big business, let's say, Renata Akhmetov, uh, Vadim Novinsky. He's is, it, it's potential party of... Reconstruction of uh, big business in Ukraine, of industrial reconstruction. That sounds
0: quite a bit like a, a lot of the other East European populist parties that are close to big business. They prefer to be in the West because it's more convenient, but at the end of the day, they're not really ideological. They're just about-
1: Yeah. It's, it's so-called Re- Ukrainian Republican Party. He's supported, okay. supported by Big Capital. He is also supported by um, Moscow Church because he's very close to Vadim Novinsky. He may be successful. And in this camp, I will put also Yulia Tymoshenko. Despite, <laughs> despite that uh, she is the longest living political parties in Ukraine, uh, who always represented in, in, in the parliament, uh, Yulia Tymoshenko may, uh, may be successful again. This is for my opinion. She may pick up electorate of party for life. She will use social narratives, you know, I restore pensions, restore social insurance to decrease tariffs and so on and so on. You know, <laughs> sometimes before, even the before the war, she used so populistic narratives, which is sometimes I am like, (laughs) you know, everyone likes something for free. Yeah. Especially if you're talking about the pensioners, 10 millions of pensioners in Ukraine. You you, you should remember about this. This is
0: incredible, by the way. I mean, Ukraine is a country of, Let's say forty something million. Uh, the numbers keep jumping around. Yes, and ten millions of pensioners. Like my parents,
1: um, you know, my my mother, she is school teacher, and uh, she remember good times when the Yulia Tymoshenko was a prime minister. Yeah, so it was the really wealthy period: two thousand five, two thousand eight, two thousand ten. Yeah, when we had the, the great economic situation. And Yulia. She's, you know, she's the person who may may make a deal with Putin. If Timoshenko will come and say, "Okay, guys, so I know how to solve the conflict. I know Putin. I will meet with him, and we will make a settlement, and the war and the war will be over."
0: Okay, so then, so so we've got the old players. We've got the sort of the Russian-speaking camp, the disoriented camp, the military camp. Is there a space also for the regional authorities? Ukraine has had this long debate about federalization. You know, is there room for a, a local party?
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. There is uh, room for regional elites. They always try to be represented in the big politics uh, because they control in regional political landscape. They have resources, local resources, and uh, we have also small regional oligarchs, big farmers, big regional businesses who are trying to invest in the local elites. So in potentially Vitaly Klitschko uh, may play the role of the leader uh, who consolidate the interest of regional mayors and regional elites. Or at least if he, Vitaly Klitschko would not run for upcoming elections, younger brother Volodymyr Klitschko, former boxer, he will participate in these elections. As I know, he has ambitions to participate. And uh, he is the liberal candidate, could be one of
0: the potential alternative against Zelensky. And Volodymyr Klitschko is, has the advantage of being both a new face and being recognizable yes. with... Um, yeah. The,
1: the Germans, Americans, they are coming to Kyiv despite the meeting with Volodymyr Zelensky, or British, they yeah. are meeting with brothers Klitschko because they see them as the one of the, you know, the island who may interact with
0: in, another opposi- opposition uh, political parties. That's very interesting. Speaking about the people who, th- this need to sort of change the faces and, and bring in new people, There's a lot of people who are currently in power who will most likely not be in power if the elections come up. And there's a lot of people who expect that they will no longer have a future in Ukraine. Is there a threat for some of the people to decide to collaborate with Russia? This is actually what Russia expected
1: to do, because in one of the interview of Budanov says that the Russian intelligence they just uh, accumulated a huge amount of cash to to distribute cash in the bag, in the bags and to buy the loyalty of the officers, apparatus everywhere, everywhere. But okay. it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, I mean. Otherwise, despite the, all these uh, corruption scenes in Ukraine, the good and positive scenes that we have very efficient infrastructure, anti-corruption infrastructure, they, despite the, all these things, they are working and, and they are demonstrating good efficiency. You know, we have a good hope that we are moving forward and we are
0: trying to reduce all this corruption. Okay, very good. Anatoly, thank you so much for joining us today. It was absolutely fascinating to hear and to speculate on what can happen. We've got elections coming up everywhere, you know, in Europe, in the US, and even in Russia. And You know, if there's one thing that we've learned over the past 18 months, it's to never take anything for granted. Even those elections might have some surprises for us. Thank you so much for joining us on Powerline. Thank you for the invitation. Many thanks
1: for our audience for listening to us.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Powerline, from Ukraine to the world. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode on some other pivotal elections in Eastern Europe, but these ones are definitely happening the elections in Poland on October 15th. The polling shows that it's currently on a knife's edge. So whatever happens, we'll be digging into what the results mean for the future of Ukraine. To find more podcasts like Powerlines, look up Message Heard wherever you're listening to this podcast and find us on our website, messageheard.com or on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook by looking up at Message Heard. You can also follow the Cave Independent on Twitter and Facebook at Cave Independent and Instagram at Cave Independent underscore official to get the latest news and stay up to date with our coverage. You can support the Cave Independent on our Patreon or by going to our website and clicking the support button.